Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. make sure you're able to follow along. This is our first Sunday of the year. I'd like to preach a message that's uh, very practical, very helpful, and we're going to do our uh, invitation end uh, completely different this morning as uh, we do something a little different for today. Um, I think it's a common experience. It certainly happens at Christmas time, around the holidays, uh, when you haven't seen someone for several months, uh, perhaps a distant relative, a child of a friend, or, or someone, and, and you'll say something like this, my, how you've grown. Um, in fact, uh, we saw our, our grandson up in Phoenix. It really had been a couple months since we had seen them, and our grandson, um, uh, Brady, he, he had grown so much in two months, it was like, wow, he has really grown. I think we all can relate to that. We'll see someone we haven't seen in a long time. And even some of you who are adults, someone will look at you and say, my, how you've grown. Um, Will anyone a year from now be able to look at you at the end of 23 and be able to say, as we're going to look in our text verse in a minute, my, how you've grown. You've grown mentally and spiritually and financially, and you've grown in so many different areas. Will someone be able to say that? I would like to say on this very first Sunday, I think it's great that, Jul- that January 1st falls on Sunday, our very first Sunday out the gate. I wonder if we're willing to make a commitment to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ this year. Are we willing to do that? There's a book that I read this past year, Hearts of uh, Iron Feet of Clay. In this story, the author Gary Henry, he, he recounts a story. Uh, it was in April of 1855, so that was a few years ago. There was a Sunday school teacher from um, uh, uh, the church there that went to a local store, and uh, he was simply and persuasively shared the gospel and urged a young man to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and that young man did. And it was uh, uh, just a couple months later in May of 1855 when this 18-year-old boy, he approached uh, the membership committee of that church and he applied for membership um, and talking with the men of the church. Now, he had been raised in a Unitarian church back in Boston in almost total ignorance of the gospel message. And so when he moved uh, there to Boston area to, to start a uh, find his fortune, and, and begin his trade, uh, the young man began, a pre, uh, began attending this Bible-preaching church and subsequently was saved uh, after the Sunday school teacher talked to him. By the way, there's still, even if it was, this happened years ago, even today, there are still men and women, boys and girls, who want to hear truth, looking for truth. Well, he was talking to the membership committee uh, to join this church, and one fact became very obvious. This young man was totally ignorant of any biblical truth. In fact, one of the deacons on the committee asked him this question, Son, what has Christ done for us all, for you, which entitles him to our love? This 18-year-old young man says, Oh, I don't know. 
I, I think Christ has done a great deal for us, but I don't think of anything in particular as I know of. Well, that's hardly an impressive start, trying to join a church. Uh, it was a couple years later, this very same Sunday school teacher that led this young man to the Lord, he said this quote. He says, I can truly say that I've seen few persons whose minds were spiritually darker than was his when he came into my Sunday school class. I think the committee of the church seldom met an applicant for membership who seemed more unlikely ever to become a Christian of clear and decided views of gospel truth, still less to fill any space of public or extended usefulness. Wow. Well, someone said something like that of you. And as the story is written, nothing really happened to change the minds of those men and women that were of this church in Boston. So the deacons and the membership committee, uh, they did things a lot different back then. They got together and they decided to give uh, this young man a one-year instruction program to teach him the basic truths and uh, that he would be accepted in the church membership on a probation basis. I wonder if we did that today. So they accepted him. He was barely literate. His spoken grammar was atrocious. And the year-long probation period did not help very much. So he came one year later for his second interview. And there was only a minimal improvement in the quality of the answers. But since it was obvious that he was sincere and he was a committed but maybe ignorant Christian, but he was faithful in coming to church, this church decided to accept him in to their church membership. Over the next years, uh, following that 18th birthday, I'm sure that many people looked at this young man convinced that God could never use a person like this. I'm happy to tell you that I'm thankful there were some men and women who did not give up on this young man, for this was Dwight L. Moody that was so ignorant as an 18-year-old. I can tell you this, God did not give up on him. And even though there would have been some men and women and some people that are scuffed that God could have ever used such an ignorant young man, I'm thankful that God was able to transform uh, this young man. And, and his impact is still these many, many years later being felt by his ministry. Well, let me tell you about another young man in the Bible and that's found in Luke chapter 2. You're there. We're going to actually read a lengthy passage of Scripture, verse 41 through 52. I'll read the even verses, and we'll do this in a responsive format. You'll read the... Uh, did I say I'll read the even verses? I am so sorry. I am the odd person. I read the odd verses. You read the even verses. And um, we'll do this in a responsive format down to verse number 52. This is our text passage this morning. I'll begin reading. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers.
And he said unto them, that's his parents, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Our text verse comes from the verse you just read, verse 52. Can we all read that together? Let's all participate. Let's all be connected to the message this morning. Let's read this together. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Father, we ask that you might extend your grace and mercy to us today. We may have fallen by the wayside in 22. We may not have finished the year strong. And Father, I pray that as we hear this message today, that your Holy Spirit will guide, direct, convict, comfort, uplift, instruct, and encourage all of us today in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a word that I'd like to call your attention to in verse number 52, and it's this word, increased. This word comes from a Greek word, prokopto, which means this. It means to drive forward as if by beating, to, to advance an amount of time, uh, uh, to, to be well along, to proceed, to profit, or to whack. Strong's describes this word as to hack one ways forward. How did Jesus... The God of heaven grow. How did he increase? How did he do all of these things? Think about that. This is the God of heaven. Well, our outline is before us, and it comes straight from verse number 52. So let's examine the four growth group areas, or growth group, growth areas, and we'll call it this way. Growth area number one. Growth area number one, Jesus grew mentally. Jesus grew mentally. If Jesus grew mentally, it is assuredly our responsibility to grow mentally in 2023. You say, well, Pastor Armstrong, how do I do this? How did Jesus do this? Let me give you some thoughts. Well, first of all, we need to learn more. If we're going to grow mentally, we need to learn more. Some of us, we hate learning. We cannot hate learning. The one thing we must never stop being is learners. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent. Peter said, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, what's that next word? Knowledge. We must always be learning. Colossians 1 and verse 10 says this, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and here's that word, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Would you like to be a little smarter? You need to learn. You need to apply yourself to learning. So we need to learn more. But you know what we also need to do? We need to remember more. We need to remember more. How do I do that? Jesus quoted scripture when he was tempted. Do we know enough scripture to get ourselves out of trouble? Have you memorized any verses in recent time? What is the last verse you may have memorized? Do you know enough scripture to keep you from getting into trouble? Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, Thy word have I hid where? In my heart. And why do I hide God's word in my heart? That I might not sin against him. We need to remember more, and that involves memorization, but we also need to understand more. 
We need to understand more. It would, do a, it would do little good to learn and remember if we do not understand what we have learned. Listen to what the Bible says. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Brethren, be not uh, children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. That's talking about being mature. But in understanding, be mature, be adults, be grown up. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So are there examples in the Word of God? Yes, Solomon is a great example. And he taught us in his many writings and his many proverbs that, that we're to apply our hearts to understanding. He said this, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. There were different authors in the Psalms, but one thing we know is that throughout the Psalms we are urged to understand. Let my heart... Uh, come near before thee, O Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. I say that we must grow mentally in this year, 2023. I want to be smarter. That's why I continue to read. Uh, it takes a lot of reading for it to get through my thick skull. But if we're not willing to read and we're not willing to learn, we're not willing to understand, we will be caught in the same condition that we were last year and the year before and the year before. The Bible says Jesus increased in his wisdom. The God of heaven increased in his wisdom. And growth area number two is that Jesus grew physically. Jesus grew physically. He was a young man when he was here at the temple, and so we knew that he grew up. And if Jesus grew physically, it's assuredly our responsibility to grow physically in 2023. How do we do this? May I just be practical with you as your pastor? Just share some thoughts. How do we do this? Please understand this, that all of us need to be healthier. This past week, I read an astounding statistic. In America, 67% of Americans are on prescription drugs. 67%. Uh, we could have 67% of the people stand up here who are on some type of prescription drug. All of us need to be healthier. May I just say from the Word of God, the Bible says this, we are God's temple. We are God's temple. The Holy Spirit of God, a third part of the, of the triune God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the God of heaven through his Holy Spirit lives within you. And if you are a believer, he resides in you. May I say, how clean is your vessel? How clean is your vessel this morning? We need to get proper rest. And this means turning off your TV. This means putting down your iPad. And this means turning off your phone. And it means that you have to allow your brain to slow down and recover from the busy day that you just had so that you can be mentally alert and mentally sharp and physically aware of everything the next day. And you say, um, Pastor, I came to church today. What does this have to do with church and me being a Christian? It has everything to do. 
How can you effectively serve the God of heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth, who gives us the Holy Spirit if we have dirty, unclean, unfit vessels? We must get our rest. We need proper exercise. And I say, I know some of you will say quickly, hey, listen, pastor, have you read 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8? I have. In fact, it says, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Here's what I know. Uh, Paul said this, um, it, it, that uh, exercise, it may not profit a lot, but there's some profit in it because he said it profits a little. <laughs> we need to get some proper exercise. And uh, it's not walking from your table to the couch. That is not the exercise of which I speak this morning. Today's the very first day of the year and all across our country, saved, unsaved, uh, people that are tall and people that are skinny, uh, people that are wide and people that are, are short, people of every stripe, they have made a resolution. This year, I'm going to lose weight. All across our, our country, they have done that. Now, people will make a big deal about it. In fact, yesterday, Shelly and I, we were watching a football game, and three consecutive commercials was from Weight Watchers and from uh, uh, Peloton. I mean, it's all targeted advertising. They know that right now everyone's vulnerable. Everyone's recognized. I need to take care of myself, and I need to lose some weight. May I just give you some good news? By Thursday, you'll be back right to the same old way, and you'll completely have forgotten about Sunday. Because Americans and Christians and non-Christians are not disciplined. But please listen, if I'm a believer, if I'm a believer, my body's a temple. And this temple houses the Holy Spirit of God. And if that is true, and the Word of God says it is, then I should have a clean vessel that my master is not ashamed of. We need to eat a proper diet in 2023. We need to eat a proper diet. It's time we stop talking about it and we just do it. I wonder how many would be willing to take up this challenge. For the next 14 days, I'm going to eliminate sugar from my diet. Pastor, you don't understand. By Thursday, I'll be in the hospital if I do that. I'm just wondering if we could do that. You see, if we could do it for 14 days, our brain will absolutely categorically be sharper. And then maybe we could have a lifestyle change if we could be disciplined enough to do something for two weeks. Consider what the wisest man in the Old Testament wrote. He said this, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Now most of us, we've whited out that verse in our Bible. We do not have to be unhealthy if we're willing to take care of the vessel that God has given us. And so that means that we need to be temperate in all things. We need to be temperate in all things. The Bible says this, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Understand this is the reason that I want to have a clean vessel, the reason that I want to have a vessel that's fit for the master's use, the reason that I want to take care of this physical body that I can be used as a Christian is this, is that I am striving for an incorruptible reward. And so I want to challenge you to take up this area. All right, I'm done with this. Everybody take a deep breath. 
right, there we go. It doesn't change point number two. I don't care how many deep breaths you take. It does not change the value of point number two. We all have a responsibility. And I know there was no amens in that section, but the fact of the matter is, is that we need to take care of this vessel, this body that God has given us. Thank you. Two amens. All right, good. <laughs> Let's move on. Growth area number three. I knew when I wrote this message that I was going to say growth group about ten times. And every time I say this, growth group is what I say. I am so sorry about that. I'm, I have no discipline. All right, here we go. <laughs> growth area number three. Growth area number three, Jesus grew socially. Jesus grew socially. And if Jesus grew socially, it's surely our responsibility to grow socially in 2023. How did he do this? Folks, we need to be kinder to our family and friends this year. We live in a world that is hate. And I, I, it, it, we, that's the United States of America and what we've become. It's a divided country. It's a hateful country. It's a spiteful country. But that does not allow us as Christians to be spiteful, hateful, and wicked to other people. We need to be kinder to our family and to our friends. And friendship is never to be taken lightly. Remember what the Bible says? Abraham, he was called the friend of God. And Jesus called his disciples friends. Listen to what uh, Paul wrote. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know why I need to be kinder to my family and to my friends and to those that I'm privileged to serve here at, at, at Tucson Baptist Church is because Jesus demonstrated that. We need to be kinder. But you know what we need to do? We need to make friends. Uh, we need to make friends of others. There's some new people joining our church. And we need to make some new friends. And we need to expand our horizons just a little bit. And we need to make some friends that will bind our hearts together. Friendship can be a bridge that brings people to Christ. And many times we try to influence people without first making them our friends and showing them that we care. And by the way, it seldom works that someone's just going to allow you to come into their life if you haven't made a bridge to them and uh, extended uh, a friendship to them. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, the Word of God says. And then he says this, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Could I have everyone look this way for just a moment? I know that we're taking notes, and some of you are worried about lunch already, and it, you're distracted, and it's a new year, and you're thinking about point number two, and, and eating right, and all of that. And, and uh, could I really make it 14 days without sugar? Yes, you can do it. You can do it. Um, but everyone looking here, in this congregation, at this very moment, there are people who are lonely. There are people that do not have a list of friends. And may I just say, may I just say, shame on all of us if we could have someone come here week after week and we have not built a rapport, we have not built a bridge, we have not extended friendship to our very own membership. Could we change that this year? Could we go out of the way and say, I don't know you, forgive me, I don't know you very well. Could I take you to coffee or could I have you over to my house or could I take you out to the meal or could we sit out in the lobby and hear your testimony? And don't make it about you, make it about them. Learn about them. Could we not do that? We need to make friends of others. We need to know how to treat our enemies. We need to know how to treat 
our enemies. Jesus not only told us how to treat our friends, but he also taught us how to treat our enemies, and he showed us how to treat our enemies. And his last miracle before the crucifixion was certainly for an enemy. One of his last prayers for an enemy, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Consider this story from Luke chapter 6. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away the goods, ask them not again. And then over in Luke chapter 22, and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and he healed them. Folks, uh, probably only the God of heaven could understand this because in our human nature, it is not human nature for us to be this kind to our friends, much less our enemies. We honestly don't pray for our friends the way that we're instructed to pray for our enemies. Can I acknowledge something? The wickedness that abounds in Washington, D.C., and has permeated throughout parts of our country where what we're doing is scoffed at, where others look at what we believe and they believe that we are being, uh, that we are part of the problem and not part of the solution. And when we live in a society where, um, where the hatred of the left when it comes to the social issues of today, we've got to still reach those people. We still have to be a testimony to them, even if they're hateful to us. Let's review quickly. Jesus, as the God of heaven, living in the God-man, he grew, uh, the Bible says he grew mentally, and he grew physically, and he grew socially. But there's one still uh, yet identified area of growth, and that is growth area number four, and that is certainly applicable to every one of us, and that is that Jesus grew spiritually. Jesus grew spiritually. And if Jesus grew spiritually, it is assuredly our responsibility to grow spiritually in 2023. How do we do this? Peter wrote these very, very direct words. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I read this quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I don't usually like to read long quotes because uh, many of you can check out, but, but I, this is so important for this message. Would you listen to this quote by Charles Spurgeon? Those who would be in health and do not sit still in their houses to breathe such air as may come to them, but they walk abroad and seek out rural and elevated spots that they may inhale the invigorating breezes. Thus, those godly souls who would be in a vigorous spiritual state do not merely think on whatever holy doctrines uh, might come into their minds in the ordinary course of thought, but they give time to meditation. They walk abroad in the fields of truth and endeavor to climb the heights of gospel promises. It is said that Enoch walk with God. Here is not an idol, but an active communion. The road to bodily health is said to be a footpath, and the way to spiritual health is to exercise oneself 
in holy contemplation. We don't even talk like that today. But you know what Spurgeon was saying? Is that we must, take, we must make the time and take uh, the time to contemplate, to meditate in our spiritual life. How do I do this? How do I grow spiritually? You're going to hear something that you've never heard before. We must pray more. We must pray. Have you prayed today? We must pray more. We must read the Bible more. We must give more. Give of our time and our talents and our resources. We must resist temptation more. We must practice our faith more. Now listen, faith alone is not enough. The Bible says that we have to add to our faith virtue and faith must find its expression in character and character demands knowledge and we must know what is right and what is wrong. Faith is in the heart. Character is in the life. Knowledge is in the head. We need all of these things. We have been dumbed down by social media, television, and the things that we watch on our, in our movies. Peter said, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Growth must be outward as well as inward, and, and so the apostle Paul, he, uh, uh, so the apostle Peter, he adds this uh, whole element of self-control or what we call discipline. Do you know why many of us will never grow? We will never ever be different this year than we were in 22 and 21 and 20 and 19 and 18 because we lack discipline. Children do not grow steadily. Uh, but we must grow steadily. We must never stop growing. This is called steadfastness, and such steps will lead us to godliness and brotherly uh, affection and love. It has been said, be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid only of standing still. The story is told of a family and traveling to Fort Lauderdale, uh, of traveling from Fort Lauderdale uh, up to the Tampa, Florida area. If you've been in Florida uh, and you've driven uh, in any of those inner, inner uh, roads outside of the interstate, here's what's amazing. You can see for miles and miles this tree. What is the tree? The orange tree. Um, orange trees are, uh, are all over Florida. Orange groves. This family, they stopped for breakfast and they ordered orange juice with their eggs. The server said, I'm sorry, I can't bring you orange juice. Our machine is broken. The family said, we were dumbfounded. We were surrounded by millions of oranges. And, uh, and they had oranges in the kitchen. Orange slices garnished our plates. What was the problem? No juice? Hardly. They were literally surrounded by thousands and thousands of gallons of juice on those trees. The problem was that they had become dependent on a machine to get it. Please listen. If you have checked out, you haven't heard anything, if you'll hear this, and then I'm almost done. 
Christians are sometimes like a machine. They may be surrounded by Bibles in their homes, but if something should happen to the Sunday morning preaching service, there would be no nourishment for the souls because the machine was broken, so I go hungry. Do you understand what I just said? Some of us are dependent solely on what Brent Armstrong would do on a Sunday morning for our spiritual nourishment, and that's a shame. You need to go out and know how to pick the orange, peel the orange, and make orange juice. And that comes from praying, reading, meditating, giving, adding to your faith virtue, adding to your virtue knowledge, having self-discipline. The problem is not a lack of spiritual food. You hold a Bible in your lap. You have a Bible on your iPhone. You have a Bible on your iPad. That is not the problem. The problem is, is that we don't know how to go get the food because we're not disciplined enough to do it. Do you know many parents used to make a mark on their wall to indicate their children's height as the child grew year after year maybe the first day of the year they would mark to see how far how tall that their child had gotten i wonder if our heavenly father did that and he said let's see how you've grown spiritually year after year would there be a regression would we be getting smaller too many believers they find themselves in religious ruts and they're getting older but they're not getting any holier and time is their enemy, and it is not their friend. Folks, it is time that we become better, stronger believers. Believers will say to themselves, the passing of time will help me. I know some good old saints, so as I get older, I'll get holier and I'll get better. Time will help me. Time will purify me. Time will revive, revive me. The problem is, is they've said that last year and the year before and the year before that. And time has betrayed them. And they're not in, they weren't any better last year. And we're, honestly, they're not going to be any better this year. Folks, it's time that we have the discipline and the self-control and the temperance to make a difference in our spiritual lives. I wonder what you would do different this year. Truett Cathy said this, If you wish to enrich days, plant flowers. If you wish, wish to enrich years, plant trees. If you wish to enrich eternity, plant ideals in the lives of others. There are some of us that we are little small fish that have never grown up. We're confined by the size of our aquarium rather than understanding there's a big world that if I would be willing to serve, I would be used to the Lord. <laughs>